1: Welcome to Power Hour. I'm Alex Epstein. There's an interesting topic that I've followed on and off in the news over the years, and it goes by the name of socially responsible investing. Now, as soon as you hear the term social in any kind of expression, whether it's social entrepreneurship or socially responsible investing or corporate social responsibility, you should at the very least be suspicious. And one reason to be that way is if is a consequence of asking, well well, what is the opposite? What is corporate antisocial responsibility? What's corporate social irresponsibility? And it all almost always amounts to capitalism. Capitalism is assumed to be anti social. Now it is only anti social from the perspective of non individualism or collectivism or some variety of collectivism, which says that the individual acting freely in concert with other individuals through voluntary exchange and voluntary activity is bad, that that is somehow not social. And therefore, what is social is the individual being forced to sacrifice to other individuals, to sacrifice to some group, to sacrifice for the sake of those who are not as successful as he is. And so that's what what social often means. You often hear it in social justice. That means justice where the individual is not allowed to earn things or not recognized for earning things. He is leveled down to the lowest common denominator. So social really means coercive, sacrificial, unjust collectivist. And this term socially responsible investing has more and more over the years been applied to energy and environmental issues. And that's why I'm excited to have on the show today Jeff McClure. So Jeff is founder and CEO at Freedom Capital Investment. Now this is an investment firm that that focuses on the types of investments that are generally frowned upon by or, or more than frowned upon by advocates of quote-unquote socially responsible investing, and he'll tell you about some of those. Uh, But I hasten to say this is not a show about an investment opportunity. We certainly don't make investment recommendations on this show. It's not our expertise. It's not the purpose of the show. I'm not qualified to do it. And so while any given guest, including Jeff, will have their own financial opinions and things they think you should invest in, um, you you can go investigate that for yourself. That's not the point. The point is that there is a movement, socially responsible investing, and it is a threat, I believe, to energy freedom and energy abundance, and therefore everything that proceeds from energy freedom and energy abundance, which is ultimately industrial progress and human progress. So we will have Jeff uh, on the other side to talk about socially responsible investing, why it's harmful, and what we can do about it.
0: Power Hour. Because what you don't know about energy can kill you. Here's Alex Epstein.
1: We are joined now by Jeff McClure, founder and CEO of Freedom Capital Investment Management, to talk about socially responsible investing. Jeff, welcome to Power Hour.
0: Well, thank you very much for having me Alex.
1: All right. Uh, Well, when I, I learned about you and that you're interested in this topic, I wanted to jump on it because we have not talked about this topic directly, and I think it's one of the most immoral movements uh, in the in the country right now, just to give away my own overall assessment but let's let's get started just with definitions insofar as there is one here. what is socially responsible investing?
0: Well I think that <clears throat> almost every um, investment vehicle that um, claims to have a social responsible or a social impact or an ESG, um, what's which ESG? Is envir- environmental, social, governance-based investing, which all are all are the same under the same bailiwick. There's some mission, some agenda, some purpose beyond just investment. Uh, but I think you're right that every one of those funds, individuals, complexes have their own definition for what they view as. Socially responsible, or as an impact, and uh, you can bet that it, whatever their definition is, is something that um, you know uh, <coughs> enhances their own particular view of the world.
1: So, just give us a sense of what the range of these things is, because I know it's it's very very large, and we'll we'll of course focus on the the ones that pertain to energy and environmental issues. But just for the listeners, what what, what kinds of things are covered under socially responsible investing?
0: Well, sure. So from a you know the one of the one of the ways that um, socially responsible investment funds tend to operate is with a screening process, meaning they will not invest in certain things they deem to be offensive, such as um, weapons or tobacco or alcohol or certainly you know, now the growing movement is uh, coal and then even more um, broadly fossil fuels. And then also a big movement to not invest in Companies that do business with certain of our allies, such as Israel, so that's that's a screening um, sort of way that people um, allocate their capital, and then others invest proactively in, say, clean energy opportunities to the you know to the exclusion of of regular uh, fossil fuel energy, or invest in water projects that for only in areas where they think that it, it helps the poor and not you know not the broader um, population so <clears throat> and then furthermore there's uh, agendas to limit executive pay to some amount you know that is no more than x times the lowest paid employee or to only um, invest in companies that you know agree to certain sustainability standards or that will not um, you know use, labor from certain areas where they think that there's not, you know, there's not a sufficient protection for the labor force. So it really runs the gamut. And then other, you know, one of the big ones here, we're in Washington, D.C. Another big agenda item is transparency and trying to get these uh, companies to have to disclose where they make their political or lobbying decisions and spend their money. And so there's another big place where, you know, the activism has run rampant. But it really does. There's six and a half trillion dollars of capital, according to U.S.S.I.F., which is a trade group around the socially responsible movement, they indicate that they believe there's six and a half trillion dollars of capital in the United States that um, has some sort of agenda or mission. And I can tell you that a lot of them, and they're broad, but I can tell you a lot of them are not benefiting the United States of America.
1: How does that compare to the amount of capital invested total?
0: It's about one in six of, you know, uh, more or less, there's different <clears throat> There's different, you know, calculus for the exact amount of investable capital in the United States, but it's more or less one out of every six investable dollars in the United States of America. So that is a massive amount of money.
1: Yeah, that 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 is an understatement. So let's let's step back and look at this term a little bit more. So every time we use a term, every time you use a term, there is, you, there is an opposite thing that you're distinguishing it from. Otherwise, there would be no need to use uh, the term, right? right? So if we have socially responsible investing, then there has to be socially irresponsible investing. So what are the fundamental things that are generally considered socially uh, irresponsible?
0: Well, it's funny. We, we've actually, by our detractors at Freedom Capital, uh, been termed a socially irresponsible investor. Uh, we obviously disagree with that nomenclature, and we, don't, we believe we're actually behaving in a very responsible way, um, according to our investment mandate. But certainly, <clears throat> you know, our thesis is we want to invest capital in opportunities that enhance the prosperity, security, and freedom of the United States of America and its allies. And so things that we invest in that we think achieves those, those goals that others disagree with is certainly American energy independence, which means that we have the uh, full ability to, um, exp- uh, you know, <clears throat> to utilize our natural energy resources that are available to us here in the United States um, and abroad, and that we certainly believe in investing in opportunities that, you know, provide for um, security from uh, terrorist attacks that say that we might have just seen recently, so that topic is sort of timely, and also that um, provide opportunities for the protection and the, and the economic freedom of not only the United States, but also its allies. So, And I would think in many cases, the folks that claim to be socially responsible are making an impact investment would think that um, our investment thesis was not consistent with socially being responsible, but we, we obviously disagree.
1: So there's an interesting question. Even leaving aside your evaluation of the morality of specific things, why this terminology is necessary? For instance, why wouldn't we just have companies should be ethical in terms of of their investments? You know, they should, and that that's broader than just what they happen to invest in. It's their conduct in general. Things obviously things like uh, not committing fraud. So let me let me just step back and. I'll, I just want to tell you and the listeners how I think of it, and then I'm curious how, how you think of it. Like the basic, the basic thing that we have to protect us is this social responsible. Social responsible is very vague, but the thing we have to protect us to protect our rights are laws against force and fraud in the culture, which investment specifically protects us against being defrauded, or at least um, you know minimizes that. Insofar as the laws are good and the enforcement is good, uh, but more fundamentally it says that certain industries are legal and will only be so they're 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 only allowed to the extent that they're not violating anyone's rights and therefore part of that is that customers choose them freely so even something like tobacco uh, you could make a case that or some people could say look i think that i agree with the people who choose this I think that that they are legitimate in doing so and i you know, I support a company that does this. Now, somebody else could disagree, and I think it's it's very legitimate uh, in a society for investment funds to have different uh, focuses and different values. I think those are those are related, but not the same. So, if you take your own example, and, and just so everyone's clear, you know, we're not definitely not. In, I'm not in. in I never endorse any investment on this show because it's not my expertise at all. Sure. That's not the purpose of the show. But if we just take like your what you're doing schematically, there can be two things. One is you have a particular expertise in a set of things, which usually no one has an expertise in everything. So you pick certain sectors to focus on, gain specialized knowledge in, and yep. therefore make more accurate investments. That's it. And then another thing, and it's related, is people's values often uh, coincide with certain things. They may say, well, I'm really interested in these particular issues. I think in general, they're going to be good for the U.S. I want to focus on them. So there's a, a division of labor focus and there's a value focus. And and that's uh, that's legitimate. But the fundamental that has to be true and that has to be the focus, if you're an investor and offering returns to people, is that you are doing something uh, productive. I think that's the core Of it being ethical and and so it certainly has to be violating nobody's rights and I think in your mind it has to be productive and yet and, and part of that is that you are not I think the most some of the most unethical investments are totally illegal in the sense that they take advantage of or encourage government coercion to make themselves profitable so you take the whole if you take say Tesla how much money does Tesla get from carbon credits you know how much does it get from special privileges that enable somebody, you know, to buy a hundred twenty thousand dollar car for hundred five thousand dollars? Like that's that aspect of Tesla is unethical. It's taking away other people's money by force, uh, and often people who can't afford that, you know, can't afford to lose it nearly as much as the people who are buying a luxury car. Uh, and that that is unethical, and you see that throughout the green economy or the so-called alternative energy economy, because alternative energy is a ridiculous term alternative, and every field has alternatives competing. Why isn't it just competitive energy? Well, because it's an alternative to competitive energy. It's an alternative to what actually works. So what happens is it's being subsidized. So in my mind, it's pretty clear it's unethical to invest in parasitical, coercive businesses that make everybody worse off, except for you, who's taking other people's money. So it seems like that's a fairly straightforward principle, but yet when applied, it invalidates and in fact renders unethical the vast majority of what I've seen as socially responsible uh, investing. So socially responsible usually means socialist uh, right. investing or taking. So I'm curious what you think of, of that. Well,
0: I think nowhere is that, um, that situation coming to the forefront um, more clearly than the new, and we'll see a bunch of this talked about, I believe, at <clears throat> COP21 that we're heading into in Paris. Nowhere is this coming to, to the fore more than this theory of stranded assets, right, where they um, where folks cannot get around the fact that lots of people who run money have a fiduciary duty to make profitable investments for their um, for their charges, and they. And So therefore, they can't just take these people's money and use it for their own social causes um, without some, at least, lip service pay to profitable investments. And so the way to end run that, you know, what they view as an unfortunate truth in the capital markets is to try to force um, these companies to write down the value of themselves via this. Theory that they have these assets, typically you know, fossil fuels in the ground that will obviously never be used because some tribunal in Paris or Brussels or some UN thing is going to force them not to use it, and America is going to give up its sovereignty and allow th- that to happen. And so, therefore, you have to write down the value of these things. And now, when you compare, once done, you compare those opportunities to Solar City or Tesla, and all of a sudden, golly, Solar City looks great. <laughs> it's not going to go out of business due to this UN action.
1: Um, so, but it's, it's future theft so its it's, it's, just, it's incredible you're just betting on right in, instead of instead of saying basically hey I'm investing in the windmills today because i'm getting paid to build something unproductive you're saying uh, I'm going to invest in the windmills because tomorrow we're going to get paid to do something unproductive and the others will have their money stolen right, by there. the
0: government and yeah. and so you know our view and you're going to see us talk about this um, at, at, at the appropriate times, is you know what's good for the goose should be good for the gander, and if it's if you're going to we we of course completely disagree that imposing some stranded asset financial um, uh, strata onto these things is is beyond immoral. It's 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 suicide for the U.S. economy, but um, that. Solar Cities or any of these guys that otherwise would be completely uneconomic, nonproductive, and worth zero, but for the fact that they've conned some regulatory body to give them special perks, that they should also have to worry about stranded assets and have a write-down or at least a disclosure that, hey, maybe sanity will return to the world and these uh, perks that we get might end. (laughs) And so if, you, if, we ha- if, if one side has to disclose a some unknown future risk based upon regulatory um, fiat, then the other side should probably have to do the same. And of course, we're going to hear that that's uh, a complete silliness in their mind. But I think it's actually true. And, um, you know, one day the hope would be that <clears throat> nobody would be subject to having to try to artificially change their balance sheet based upon, you know, craziness that may occur by regulatory fiat at some point in the future.
1: I just want to point out what a euphemism stranded assets is in this context because it you know there has a legitimate usage in, right. in in economics of something that you you know you bought you invested in that you expected to be useful and now it's no longer useful you know we can use a typical buggy whip example like you have Slide certain rules. <laughs> exactly. All of these, these kinds of things. But to give an analogy, imagine that you have like, imagine, I don't know, you have like a vaccine manufacturer or something. And let's say vaccines had a long uh, inventory for whatever reason. And then somebody outlaws vaccines, or there's a movement to outlaw vaccines. And then there's a movement that says, oh, well, you know, vaccines are a bad investment because they're, they have so many stranded assets in vaccines. You say, no, they're going to outlaw vaccines. So you're going to totally screw over the vaccine companies. But it's just, it's just an, an evil action that is going to destroy an industry. So the only thing is the political risk of destroying an industry. And by the same token, you could, if we were all you know, forced, instead of using vaccines, to you know, buy some uh, hawk you know, medical cure uh, you know, at, at the local Whole Foods or something like that, and that was mandated and their stock jumps up. That's not like a new asset, right? That's right. not an exciting, it's just, it's just. so I, I would just advise everyone to every time you hear a new term, one, one of my mentors, Ankar Gatte at the Enron Institute, said something like this to me once. He just said, every time I hear a new term, I'm suspicious, particularly if it's coming from a group. So you, And particularly then, if you hear a term that has a legitimate usage and thus a legitimate positive association in people's minds, and you hear it in the context of a movement whose very essence is opposition to human productivity, you should be very suspicious that they claim, oh, we're just going to protect you from your, your stranded assets, i.e. energy that we want to ban you from using.
0: Right. No, it's a, it's, a crazy, it's, a, it's a crazy concept, and it's just an attempt, again, to um, end run this you know, unfortunate truth that a lot of these guys that wish they could just use this money that is somebody else's money, by the way, um, that they worked their life for, um, that they could just use it to to change the world in the way that they wish it were without any regard to, the, oh, we're supposed to be making good, productive v- investments on their behalf. And so it's just an attempt to in run that unfortunate truth for them.
1: Now, you, you and I both have a lot of familiarity with a lot of the rackets that go on in the energy space. But just to give an example, let's talk a little bit about one, one uh, company you mentioned earlier that is uh, particularly – uh, the opposite of near and dear to my heart in California, which is Solar City, because you have these guys coming door to door to everyone. And if if somebody doesn't know my views, they, they are completely insufferable in terms of telling me how they're getting you know free electricity and they're selling it to the grid, blah, 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 blah. What is their business model and what would it be like in a free market system?
0: Well, I suspect that it's a uh... It's not viable. I mean, I don't think that um, absent the, <clears throat> the sort of gift that they get of the t- upfront tax credits, tax breaks, free loans to build plants, all of those things, uh, combined with the fact that they don't have to pay for uh, – none of these guys generally have to pay for any of the grid that they turn around and get to sell back retail um, pricing, which is completely a non-rational economic – Decision that's mandated by the government as well. That
1: but can um, you can you elaborate on that one? I don't think people are familiar with that aspect of it.
0: Well, sure. So there's net metering issue, which is that if you have solar panels on your house, and you know there should be some point of in time where um, your solar panels are generating more electricity than you need at that particular time. That you that the that the government mandates that you are allowed to sell that electricity back to the grid or back to whoever is providing that the the regular electricity, and that you are able to sell it back to them at the retail at some retail price, um, which would not reflect the fact that that grid has to be paid for, maintained, capitalized, uh, managed, which would you generally mean that if you're going to be a user of that grid by providing electricity onto it. Some amount of that cost would be borne by you, but yet it 's not because the government wants to make this whole um, this whole individual solar panel thing look like it is a legitimately economic viable opportunity when absent that sort of distortion of the economic capital markets would would clearly not be the case
1: i 'm trying to think of a good term uh, that describes just about all of this socially responsible investing. That's slightly more artful than stealing, <laughs> uh, but, but I think it, it, it needs to be replaced in, in in people's minds. Again, there's there's, it's well let's let's look at it from a different perspective. The the stat you mentioned earlier about one sixth six, mm-hmm. even if it's one sixtieth, in my mind, what does that what does that say about the viewpoint of most investing? Or I mean, why would you need this whole movement? The basic premise is that capitalism is socially irresponsible otherwise you wouldn't need and and that investing is right otherwise you wouldn't need a whole movement right you don't need like socially responsible organic food in their mind right because it's it's fundamentally good and investing is a fundamentally good institution it's the thing that allows uh you know capital to flow to those individuals who can make most productive uh use of it so Is there a general anti-capitalist bent to most people who engage in this?
0: I, you know, I think that there, there actually is. I, I mean, I think that, um, you know, we have allowed, we being society at large and the folks that have capital that somehow um, ends up aggregated at some place that then makes investment decisions whether it's your pension fund or the manager of your 401k or a hedge fund or the big banks or any of the capital asset aggregators that exist in the world um, of which we' are one. Um, I think that over the you know the past few decades um, society has allowed this view that we should be able to use this capital and uh, make these socially responsible um, generally sort of left, leaning investments because it's good um, while a big swath of America sort of slept thinking that it was well that's not really uh, an important piece of the capital markets it's just this little you know thing going on over here in the corner where tree hugger funds are raised <laughs> and it's not and it's really not worth our time to worry about. And I think you know the analogy I I sort of think of is not unlike what happened on in the American university higher education system. You wake up one day and wow things have kind of gotten crazy. And you it wasn't because you wouldn't have cared per se or you would have wanted things to end up that way. It's just you kind of you as society kind of slept through this uh, entrenchment. And I think you know all of this capital and the power to allocate capital that's concentrated in New York City and San Francisco. Um, has distorted what is viewed as a social responsible investing thesis. And I think if uh, you know, if, we, if the society had not allowed that to happen, you would see a much, one, you might not see the movement at all, but two, I think you'd see many more theses available to express your views in the capital markets. And we know that where capital is allocated and who gets funded for things makes a tremendous difference in how, the country is um, how the country uh, performs and how it how people live their lives and so I do think that it's sort of this you know it's it's unfortunate that a one group figured out wow we can get our hands on this capital and we can use it for our own thesis um, faster than some other groups which we might be more aligned with but we have to change it right with, if it's six and a half trillion today um, with a view that with most of that, agendas in that $6.5 being being um, not something that a vast majority of Americans would agree with if they actually paid attention and knew that it was happening. Well, we got to make sure they pay attention, that they know it's happening. We provide alternatives so that uh, eventually the capital doesn't get concentrated and it flows to where it's uh, most appropriately it should flow.
1: Yeah. And I think there's a parallel between this and and how I think about energy and industrial progress more broadly, which is that What's most needed, I, I tend to think, is a positive understanding of the virtue of the thing that's under attack. So again, socially responsible investing implies socially irresponsible investing. And the idea is that, capital, that capitalism is, quote, socially irresponsible. And what that really means is that productivity... Is socially irresponsible because what markets reward and and what capital markets reward is profit. And profit is a measure of productivity. It's how much what the difference is ultimately between how much uh, you know the resources that you put into something and the resources that came out of it, and the difference is your profit. So it's it's a fundamental attack on wealth creation, and it's saying that those who are concerned with wealth creation, who are focused on that, who are focused on producing more than they consume are morally inferior to those who are not focused on that, including those who often consume more than they produce and only get away with it because they get to take away uh, other people's wealth. So I, I just see this as, as even leaving aside the specific evils of the energy uh, uh, approach, the, the, the attack on energy, the, the, just the, the fundamental attack on, on productivity and the whole field of investment, I think, has, has been derelict in understanding its virtue if it doesn't and or promoting its virtue because society should look at investment as a good thing and if they hear socially responsible invest they should be really suspicious that wait this doesn't have anything it doesn't seem to have much to do with profit i'm not interested i want to create value whether in my work or in my investment i don't want to uh get involved in someone's pet cause and and there's this, you know, Milton Friedman is very adamant about just the difference between a business and a charity. And I think that's that's the right attitude. Uh, but but part of it is there. they both can be virtuous, although it's important that the charity depends on the business. I mean, the charity is a, is a function that can be performed by people who create wealth or by people who take the wealth of, of others who've created. So the fundamental thing is the virtue of wealth creation. And I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, doesn't it seem like none of these entities whatsoever have any respect for real wealth creation?
0: Well, I think that, well, the answer is yes and no. I think that um, clearly some of the entities uh, may pay lip service to we're trying to make a you know a return, but then they speak to double and triple bottom lines, which means that there are things that are involved in this investment analysis that are equally or more important than just pure profit, and it's doing good for the world and whatever your other thesis is. So, and then there are others that make the, the argument that we can invest, uh, we can influence the world along, according to our mission or our agenda, and not suffer a uh, lowering of our investment risk reward. Uh, returns because of whatever reason that they come up with that tells them that that's the case. Generally, I would say it's it, it's probably not true um, that pro- if you enter if you bring non-economic factors into the allocation of capital, you're going to distort the capital markets almost by design. But where we sit today is we don't give the luxury of living in a utopian society where we can just decide that. <clears throat> the pure the economy is going to be purely capitalistic and that we're that we can somehow turn back the clock and have nothing but a um, pure allocation of capital based upon uh, the resources in return as it should be instead what we have to live in now if you're you and if you're me is the battle for the capital markets is on the the day now capital is being used to fulfill social political agendas and so if unless you want to watch some of, your, some of what we believe are vital, lawful, very important American industries continue to lose the ability to obtain capital, to have capital become more expensive for them, to um, – in some cases generally put themselves out of business. we have to now stand up and say we need to make sure that those industries receive capital for one that it's vital to the United States and it's profitable to invest in them, but two because also there's a whole half of America whose political uh, mission agenda views are not being served by the capital markets and we have to allow for that so I think you know we 're not in a perfect world um, there is there is reasons that capital gets Allocated and investments gets made that is not completely economic, we have to understand that we're never going to be around that uh, ever again, and just make sure that some of us at least are waking up the, the half of America that so far have um, not had a, an opportunity or a voice to, to make sure that America is prosperous and secure and free, and that we get capital allocated efficiently to those opportunities so that we eventually don't starve them off.
1: One aspect of the socially uh, responsible investing movement that seems to have a lot of leverage is the practice of these socially responsible investors uh, infiltrating, so to speak, uh, companies that they regard as socially irresponsible. So Exxon is one of the major examples of this. They're always getting harassed at their their board meetings about their unethical conduct, and why don't you put this person on the board, and uh, this and that. Um, can you just tell us how much, exactly what goes on there and uh, the scope is? Because my sense is that there's a real strategy to infiltrate a lot of these companies and to really raise hell uh, to influence the companies, which is sort of different from trying to take over Exxon or something like that, like really trying to buy it out or trying to uh, you know, invest in, in some wind racket.
0: Yeah, no, I think there's a very well-organized, very embedded infrastructure and organizational power behind that activity, the, the activist community for, for certain social goals. And it's getting stronger and better at its mission of infiltrating the exons of the world. And you see it in, you know, attempting to uh, influence who is on the board attempting to force these companies to recognize that they're in a risky business and may be put out of business. You saw recently, I, if you did and you should, that Bank of America came out with a statement against the coal industry um, that was based entirely upon we, we agree with our activist shareholders that we think coal is generally bad and had nothing to do with it was a bad investment or a bad loan, but just it was bad, and therefore we're going to stop making loans to that industry. Well, that's a very well-orchestrated effort to force those things, um, non-economic social factors, through these companies. And I think that – and here, as again, I, I think I mentioned earlier, here in D.C., the, one of the big fights is an attempt to force all these companies to disclose where they're lobbying – um, political campaign money goes, so that they can attack them for that. And so, I think that, unfortunately, it's it's a it's it's a very powerful, growing, well-organized movement um, where you know that <clears throat> you you can potentially you know attempt to make these companies do things that they otherwise wouldn't uh, because you're organized. You have the media on your side. You've been able to to sort of. Uh, work at this effort underneath the cloak of darkness for a very long period of time. And now there's nobody, there's barely no rational opposition to you yet. And so I think these companies are trying to figure out how to, you know, how to combat this, these sort of things. And I, it's hard because you've let, you've let this kind of go for 20 or 30 years where, you know, now it's difficult to, to rein them in.
1: Yeah. Although I think that what, people might not even think of actually I've seen a little bit of this but what what people might not think of is well you could do the opposite if you had the the conviction you know so I could buy a share of Tesla and I could raise hell at their meeting about I don't think we should collect any more money on carbon credits yeah. you know, I think that's another. and I, and I know some uh there was one group in DC who did this with Apple and Tim Cook really laid into them and basically said look you know we're a country a company that's guided by certain values and we're not going to do something uh, unethical but it's at least good that that fight uh, happened now i think that if if i remember correctly part of what i I disagreed with the way exactly it was handled by the shareholders was that they were not morally intransigent uh enough about their positive position it was more like oh this might cost the company some money but then that's easy to concede the moral high ground particularly if social responsibilities people's focus Versus saying, no, what Apple, I mean, for instance, what certain things Apple is doing, such as claiming that it's getting its uh, energy from 100% solar and wind, you know, those are lies. And those are, but those are very damaging. I mean, they're damaging because Apple has a reputation as a technological leader. And if Apple is spreading lies about the future of technology, that can make uh, many others make bad uh, decisions, particularly political decisions, and, and act thinking that, that, oh, well, if Apple can do it, everybody can do it, and therefore we don't have to be too concerned about all these coal companies that are being attacked by everyone, including Bank of America, I just found out.
0: Right. No, I think I, I think there has to be a movement. Like I said, I think that a lot of folks that are on, that generally would agree with our for, sort of free market principles have always adhered to the view that, look, we're just going to hope that somehow... All of this silliness around influencing capital and influencing capital decisions is going to go away because one day everyone's going to wake up and say, really, we should get this out of the capital markets and let's go back to a pure um, economic based decision making process for how companies are run and how capital is allocated and who gets funded, et cetera. And unfortunately, that world is never, if it ever was here, it's never coming back. Now the, it's, it's, it's obviously clear that people can use. The capital markets and and how companies operate and fund to to further their political and social agendas, and they're never going to stop doing it. So in that case, you better make sure that the the social and economic beliefs that you hold, um, you're fighting the same battle on the battleground with those folks. And so that's what we're one of the things we're attempting to do here at Freedom Capital is make sure that we offer. Um, the investors who so far haven't been able to have their belief system represented, have that opportunity. And we will certainly support folks and we'll attempt to be activist investors as well, where we see opportunities to, um, you know, to change the course of capital allocation towards the freedom, security and, uh, economic power of the United States. And where we think that we can stop some of this craziness that just does nothing but harm society. So it's a battle. It's going to be a battle. Um, and, and I think that you're right. We're gonna to have to have some folks that so far haven't utilized some of the socially responsible tactics that have existed before are gonna we're gonna to have to start using them for our beliefs.
1: So it seems like there are a couple of categories of things you can do. So you you know you yourself have, have started a fund which uh, aims to give to not engage in this at all and engage in things that you and many others regard as ethical and other people can start funds that way and I certainly hope there's a proliferation of funds that are not this and, and even avowedly against what's, you know, these, uh, I don't know what to call it. I haven't come up with a name yet, but right. theft theft funds is my, <laughs> my current working title. Uh, no, we
0: hope there's a whole bunch of them. Yeah, it. yeah,
1: so, so you want that, so that's one thing, but then I, I'm wondering what you would suggest, so let's say I want to I want to be an activist shareholder. Yeah, it's more my style. Uh, what can you tell those, and, and they're listeners to Power Hour, and I know it's their style, what could they do? Like, what's an example of something they could do to have an influence on uh, different companies, whether it's, I guess, two scenarios. One is a company that's under attack that is a really productive company, so you t- like an oil company, uh, but then the other would be a, a, a parasite company. One that's only surviving through theft. So, what what could they do in terms of buying shares of that company and somehow raising a ruckus?
0: Well, you know, I think that um, clearly you can become a shareholder of of, of any publicly traded company um, and start to try to um, influence their decision making. You you've, you see this with, you know, folks sending in uh, votes, proxy votes for various things, various ideas or various disclosures, or stop doing these kinds of things, and um, that's, that's possible. I, I happen to think that the, what's the, the more powerful way to sort of stop the silliness, both on the attacking of vital, lawful, important American companies, and then the, also the exposing of the silliness of, of companies that otherwise wouldn't be economic. Is probably better served by, at least in my opinion, our, our opinion, by waking up the part of America that so far has just not paid much attention to this fact, which is, you know, we look at my father, who, as a prototypical, not only investor in Freedom Capital, but the prototypical guy who would, um, he, you know, he's a retired Korean War veteran. He worked 40 years for a defense contractor and has a nice pension, but he's by no means a, a rich guy. And he sits in Dallas, Texas, and he has no idea that his Bo- – now it's a Boeing pension, but that his Boeing pension is managed by these 40-plus investment managers that the pension fund has hired. And that at least some pretty high percentage of them are giving money to these uh, socially responsible funds. They're signing up for these UN socially responsible investing initiatives, which who knows what that means, uh, except it's you know generally bad. Uh, that they're you know, funding these groups that then go out and do this activist stuff like you just talked about. And I, to me, the way that we're going to change the course of this capital markets is by waking up my dad, because he currently doesn't understand that his 40-year hard-earned money is being used for this purpose, but we're going to make sure he does. And when he does, then there's going to be a ground – we think there could at least be a groundswell of folks saying, stop using my money for that, or at least offer me the opportunity to – express my views on the other side and so our our focus rather than try to get on a board or you know go to Apple's shareholder meeting is we want to make sure that that from the grassroots ground up the individual investors understand that at the end of the day a lot of this silliness is going on is your money and you should you should be talking to your pension fund managers and the 401 the people that are running your money and tell them stop it
1: so what does this look like in terms of Inventorying all the instances of this and, and disseminating it. How much of it is being done by you? How much is it being done by other people? What does it What does it look like for somebody, even like me, to find to to keep abreast of it, to somehow act on it? Do I just look at where my money is going? Do I look at other things? It's it would be really interesting to know, but I don't know exactly where to go.
0: Right. Well, I, I again, I think that the side of 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 free market uh, economics or the support of the industries that are generally, um, you know, under attack, there's not nearly the information flow available as we sit here today. I could show you, uh, and we have this because we like to show people, uh, a massive list of publications regarding socially responsible impact green investing. I could show you a massive list of conferences that you could go to. I could show you a massive list of various, things you could sign up for and initiatives that you could be a part of and donations that you could make. And then you sort of go to the other side and say, well, wow, how much, you know, where's that same information? Where's that same uh, organization? Where's that same collective gathering so that we can figure out ways to to bring sanity back to the capital markets? And at this point in time, it's very, very limited to uh, to almost non-existent. And so, you know, we're not going to be little old Freedom Capital, um, able to sort of stem that tide or change that by ourselves. But we hope we can at least start this dialogue and start some folks so that, you know, soon enough there's, you know, there's more publication. Well, like yours, right? I mean, you've, you've, you've written something that sort of gets us down the road to understanding what the issues are. And there should be more of that. And there should be more people getting together and figuring out how to uh, not allow this, uh, capital distortion to occur. But, but to answer your question, I think it's, uh, we're in its infancy in this battle. And, um, I think it's going to be up to all of us who care to come up with that. We're going to have to do some digging, right? At first, and we're going to have to do some work and, but it's up to us to create the same infrastructure and organizational structure and opportunity to be active, um, that this social other side has, Put, spent 20, 30 years and a lot of money on. I mean, $6.5 trillion is a lot of money, but it also generates a ton of investment management fees, and those fees are used to perpetuate their activities. Al Gore doesn't get to fly around on G650s unless he's making a lot of money off of that, that opportunity.
1: Yeah, I want you know I want just some repository of information where I can know where all the anti-industrial investing is occurring, so that I can shame the people.
0: <laughs> well, there, you know, I guess you're going to have to use to some degree. You're going to have to use their own information against them, right? If you go to the US SIF, which United States Socially Impact um, that's Foundation, that's true. Yeah, I you, can do that. You can, and some of these others, you can gain a lot of the. Information of what they're doing because they're very proud of yeah, it yeah they're
1: right? that's right I mean they're they're, they're, they're bragging about uh, right. destroying industrial civilization so it's
0: so I think at some point we should have the uh, the opposite side of the trade um, available as information as well but you know we the way we have to gain information a lot of times on on what we're doing is just by sort of u- utilizing the information that the opposition provides to us so um, that ought to change, and it should. I mean, like I said, I think that people are just now waking up that there's a battle going on in the capital markets. And prior to recently, um, no one viewed it that way. So there wasn't a lot of, you know, there, was, there wasn't there was a lot of artillery on one side.
1: Yeah, I think it's just a really, really important issue. And and it's a place where we can learn from what the other side is doing and, and to get involved. So any any topics you can think of that, we haven't covered that you'd like to say something about.
0: Well, no, again, I think that, um, you know, I think it's, it's important that we have sort of a two, well, I guess a three, three pronged um, thought process or a, in, of how, what we think should happen in the capital markets. And one is um, let's just, <clears throat> let's make sure that my dad, as I mentioned before, and those like him understand that their capital is being aggregated and used for sort of ill And I don't think they understand that, Um, Two, that, you know, there needs to be uh, beyond just that understanding, which would maybe change the behavior of some of the current capital aggregators and allocators. But that two that um, we we create our own set of aggregators and operate like we like we are trying to do that um, make sure that capital flows efficiently to these uh, to these opportunities that otherwise are now, you know, Getting some pressure um, and and some inability to get completely funded, such as the coal industry. There's no doubt that the the coal industry is, in many ways, not only, <coughs> um, you know, having some capital issues because of uh, just the pure economy, but also because um, there is a dearth of cap people willing to invest in them. And which is you know a complete shame, given that 40 percent of the U.S. electricity is still generated by that particular um, asset class. And then I think, you know, the third prong is um, <clears throat> is just, um, you know, again, um, waking up and and creating our own, you know, our own side of the capital markets that eventually, hopefully, leads to a free flow of capital and and does, you know, where I think we all have the same goal here. It's to it's to make sure that the United States of America stays strong, prosperous, and secure.
1: Got it. Well, I really appreciate you bringing this issue to our audience's attention. Uh, what website can they go to to learn more uh, about you?
0: Anyway? Sure. So uh, our website is www.freedomcapitalfunds, that's funds with an S plural, dot uh, com. And uh, we would welcome anyone to, to to take a look on the website. There's an 800 phone number if you wish to speak to somebody. Um, but there's lots of great information. There's a great little video that talks about our, uh, our thesis and we would welcome anyone that has an interest in, in further discussing this with us.
1: All right, Jeff. Thanks so much for being on the program.
0: Well, thank you so much, I look forward to chatting again in the future.
1: All right. Have a great day. All right. Cheers. Thanks again to Jeff McClure for being on the show. Uh, as you could probably tell from the exchanges on the show, this is an issue that I am very passionate about. and. It was good to get the opportunity to think about some of those issues out loud. It really hasn't been at the top of mind for me, but I think it's it's really important, and maybe we'll have some guests talk about it in the future. But I think hopefully we gave you some some concepts to uh, evaluate it by and to think about when you encounter these different claims. But maybe the most important thing is to just every time you hear one of these neologisms one of these new terms asks why why is this term necessary what exactly does it mean and in particular what's the contrast and if you see well the contrast of say something like sustainability is unsustainability you ask what that is you often find well it's capitalism that is the object of hatred and capitalism means the freedom of individuals to engage in production and trade. So if it's anti-capitalism, it's anti-individualism, it's anti-voluntary interaction, it's anti-achievement, it's anti-justice, being rewarded for your achievements, and it, 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 so it is the opposite of, in my view, everything good. It says that the creative individual has no right to his own life and that his life belongs to everybody Who's not as creative as he is. And I think that is an evil uh, morality. And that is the basis of socialism, which is an evil political philosophy with evil results. And the fact that we're talking about a presidential candidate who is proudly socialist, whatever his weasel words about, I'm a new type of socialist, you know, what that means is I'm a new type of person who believes in. Uh, sacrificing productive individuals to others. And I don't need a new type of that. I need those types of people to have absolutely no power over our government. So hope that helps clarify things. I'm recording this on Thanksgiving. I think you'll be listening to it uh, very, very early on Thanksgiving, I should say, East Coast time. I'm I'm on the East Coast now, back in Chevy Chase, Maryland, the area... I grew up in. I will try to enjoy it, despite the fact that we are way too close to uh, Washington D.C. Actually, I'm about two blocks away from Washington D.C. right now, and the uh, you know, which is the place where a lot of these anti-capitalist, uh, socialist, and if you understand the meaning of the term fascist, which means you supposedly own things, but you don't really because the government gets to control everything that you supposedly own. You know, that's coming out of Washington, and so that's the opposite of everything I stand for and everything that this program stands for. But Thanksgiving is a holiday where we celebrate things that we're grateful for and you know, the, the essence of this country as much as it's under attack today of individualism and free and freedom, that is the result. That is the root of everything we we should be thankful for, including the fossil fuel industry, the nuclear industry, the hydroelectric industry, the energy industry in general, and all the other industries it makes possible. So, just just remember, everything ultimately comes from the fact that we are a free country that values the individual or at least to the extent that we have been a free country that values the individual, that's what makes everything we, we discuss on this show possible. So uh, you know, whoever we're grateful to, top of the list has to be the founding fathers of this country, You know, thinking about what they did, what they laid on the line uh, to, in order to do it, and thinking about how we can have even a fraction of, of that courage, as we try to uh, fight for the same kinds of ideals they did in the face of you know much worse ideas than existed back then, but with far better tools at our disposal, such as the internet, overwhelmingly the overwhelmingly the internet, and also without armies opposing us. So if they could fight for the right ideas with armies opposing, them, we can fight for the ideas in a still very free country in terms of freedom of speech. So let's, let's think about that this Thanksgiving. Let's think about how we can do better and come back after stronger than ever. All right. Well, it's that time. We're wrapping up the show. If you have any questions, comments, love mail or hate mail, email me at alex at Make sure to sign up for the newsletter at industrialprogress.com this morning i just recorded the new course how to talk to anyone about energy i think this is one of the best things i've ever done i think it'll help you in conversations with anyone not just about energy but any topic uh, it's got material in there that i certainly have never seen before uh, and the early feedback i sent out about 50 advanced copies to people is is really good so it seems to be accomplishing its goal and i think if you learn the right way to frame conversations it'll just lead to so much benefit for everyone involved you'll be a lot more persuasive to the extent you're in the right Uh, you'll learn a lot more to the extent that you have something to learn in the conversation and you'll find that you can just uh, move people in the right direction very very quickly and without anywhere near the suffering and strife and digressions that so often occur in conversations. So the newsletter will keep you updated on that. That is at, you can sign up at industrialprogress.com. Of course, check out the Moral Case for Fossil Fuels at moralcaseforfossilfuels.com. And all of our different social media pages, there's the Alex Epstein account, the I Love Fossil Fuels account, I Love Nuclear account, and Center for Industrial Progress account on both Facebook and Twitter. And of course, you can recommend Power Hour to friends. It's always great to get new listeners. I think we're at, uh, I forget how many we have a week, but we're getting more and more and more. We're getting great feedback. So thank you for that. As long as you keep that coming, keep recommending it to others, uh, we'll keep doing the show. So next week, we will be back with another great guest, another great topic. Until then, I'm Alex Epstein. This has been Power Hour.
0: Power Hour. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of energy. Power Hour, the antidote to shallow thinking about energy issues.